I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, episode 149, Ladies' Night. We got two main segments for you this week. First up, Danny and Johnny talk about Metroid Zero Mission, and then after that, Don and Scott talk about Bayonetta 2. And then we've got a bonus segment for you at the end with Scott and Zach on PC gaming. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the segment of Connectivity. I'm your host, Danny Bivens, and uh, joining me here today is Mr. Jonathan Metz. Hello, Danny. It's so good to talk to you. I don't get to do that yeah. very often. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's kind of surreal. I just hear you every week on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but our schedules but, are, are severely misaligned due to time zones, so it's hard to record. Very, but I'm glad we could do oh, it yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So... I know a lot of the guys had talked about this, uh, I believe, maybe the week before. You'll probably be hearing this, but we're here to talk to you guys about Metroid Zero Mission. Uh, awesome Game Boy Advance game. Came out in 2004. And Johnny had actually reviewed the game back on Planet GameCube back in the day, mm-hmm. which, because I was like looking through the site and I was like, man, who would have reviewed this thing? I was like, oh my God, Johnny Metz. Of course I did. <laughs> yes. So yeah. And, you know, Zero Mission, it just came out in Japan in June, June 19th on the Wii U, and you know I picked it up and I played through it for the first time ever. Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, I'm jealous that you got to yeah. play it on Wii U because it's still not out in America, and I'm jealous that right. you got to experience this for the first time um, Right. because it's just it's a magical game. I love it to death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I mean, we'll be talking a lot about it here in the next you know few minutes and stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I was just kind of blown away. Um, just in general, I guess you know we could kind of go into this uh, experiences with 2D Metroid games. And uh, Johnny, I, I'm pretty sure you have a lot more experience with this type of thing than me. But you know, I've basically ever since I think I was in junior high school or something. I think I somehow come across a copy of the original Metroid on NES. And man, for you know junior high school Danny, that was a pretty rough game that I didn't really get far in. I was just happy to own it, but that's about as far as I got. Yeah. And <laughs> but basically since then, you know, I've come across, you know, I had Super Metroid on the Wii Virtual Console. I have a Japanese cart and box of the game and I don't know, I probably own this, you know, Super Metroid, uh, I don't know, half a dozen times or something and you know, I bought Fusion when it came out and stuff like that. So I I don't know, but I I never really sunk my teeth into any of these games. I never really completed any of them or even just let alone beat them. So, but Johnny, I know you're you're kind of a, a connoisseur of the uh, 2D Metroid. So, where did it all begin with you? I mean, the the thing is, there's only I think four 2D Metroids. So the you know, yeah, yeah, or maybe five. But uh, if you count Zero Mission as a separate game, then I guess it's five. But yeah, I mean, the difference between a, a newbie and a connoisseur is not that far. And and it it's one of the things that makes Metroid an accessible series. There aren't that many games, and they're all short. So if you really want to get into Metroid, you can do it in a weekend. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and this is the best place to start, I think, Zero Mission, because it's the most recent 2D Metroid, but it is a revisit to the original Metroid. It's a remake of, of the old one for NES. And that game is so obtuse and confusing and difficult and brutally punishing and, you know, has this nasty password system. And it's just the whole mm-hmm. game is uh, very hard to get into. And, and I would argue just a game with much more ambition than it had polish. 
and uh, mm -hmm. is very hard to play through nowadays. And it always was. For a lot of people, it just never got very far at all. Um, if you had Nintendo Power, maybe you could kind of brute force your way through it. And Zero Mission is an attempt to kind of, you know, round off all those sharp edges and add more meat to it to kind of bring it in line with the other games and add a lot of modern features to make it, you know, play more like what people are used to now. And in right. the process, I think they've made it incredibly fun. And and this, because it's the last 2D Metroid game, it benefits from everything they learned in all the other ones. So it uh, it's very accessible. It has a lot of great, useful, convenient features to help you explore the world, which is what you're doing in these games. And right. the controls are perfect. I think they're far and away the best controls of any 2D Metroid game. So Zero Mission is just... It, it fixes not only fixes everything from the original Metroid, but makes everything way better, and then it adds a whole bunch of new content too. Right, right. So, I you know obviously it's not out on the Wii U and you know North America or Europe at this time, unfortunately. So, what are you actually playing it on? I'm playing on a DS Lite. Okay, it okay. is I think the largest screen that you can play this game on, uh, short of. An emulator, uh, you know, uh -huh. because it's not on a Wii U yet. So, um, and and it's a it's as good of a screen as like the enhanced uh, GBA SP that came out around the same time. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could play it on that too. But I think the screens are pretty similar. Um, and I I never really played this game on the uh, the Game Boy Player on GameCube. Yeah, I don't know be my next I, question. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Game Boy Player, I guess. Okay, but um, maybe the just the controller never felt right, you know. Ah, I can understand that. I I think somehow somehow randomly, like when when I finally got a Game Boy Player, I had that weird, hoary GameCube controller that was shaped like a Super Nintendo the, controller, but the, still the had like the up. yeah. Oh yeah, it's still just wanky and just weird. Yeah, so I had one of those. Yeah. they're worth a lot of money, but they're not actually oh. that great. Yeah, they, they're no. not as great as you would hope when you look at it. it exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, obviously playing on the Wii U, there's a lot of different you know, uh, filters and crap like that, that, you know, you can use. And, you know, I noticed when I first, you know, booted it up, it, it's, I think by default, it puts it in full screen and it has it, you know, without like the screen smoothing. So it looks like kind of ridiculous, <laughs> you know, blown up on your TV. But, you know, after you kind of, you know, mess around very easily and put it to the original resolution, I turned on the screen smoothing just so it could just look a little bit better, like on the, you know, big TV. And, you know, it looked fine. You know, in terms of, like, on the gamepad, I don't really even think you even need the screen smoothing. It, it It's a small enough screen where it, it looks good enough so you don't have to worry about this stuff maybe kind of annoying you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was that, – that's not that bad of a thing. But, yeah, I, I mainly played it on the TV, usually holding the gamepad. Um, just kind of got used to doing it like that. And hmm. so did, did you feel the controls still felt nice and with the gamepad? Oh yeah, I had no problems with them at all. Okay. I think you know because they sometimes they try to map like R to you know the actual R button on like the shoulder. Right. Personally, if I'm playing like these like Super Nintendo game or something like that on my Wii U, I like to put those on the triggers because it's just yeah. easier. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so I guess whenever you originally played the game compared to now, is your experience like any different now that it's Jesus, it's over 10 years later. I mean, do you still feel uh, overwhelmed, underwhelmed, feel just about the same about this? Or I think I like it just as much as I ever did. Um, I think the okay. game, was for me, was an instant classic when it came out. And, uh, and really sort of the distillation of everything I love about Metroid. And 
the only difference is now when I play it, I, I, I have in, in my mind the entire time the fact that this is the last time they did 2D Metroid and they mm-hmm. really need to bring that back because they were clear they'd clearly mastered it at this point. And you right. know, in a in a remake to master all these mechanics and all the features and the graphics and the sound are so good. And the fact that they never took those refinements forward into new content, new games is really sad. And I and I still hope it happens one day. Mm-hmm. But that's it. I, I still think it's just as impressive and, and as fun to play now as it ever was. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, after playing all the other 2D Metroids, because I think you, you did a review for Fusion on the site as well. Yeah, I think we had a couple. Back in the day. Yeah, because yeah, I saw that on there too. And I'm, obviously, I'm pretty sure you played the crap in Super Metroid back in the day. Um, More in as recent well, years, like, actually, than, than oh, okay. back in the 90s, yeah. Okay. Did you ever play the Game Boy one? Yeah, of course. We did a, re- a retroactive on it for RFM. I oh. played it a couple times. Yeah, that one uh, also needs a remake. So I <laughs> just make Zero Mission 2, please. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I have that one on 3DS and I've barely touched it. That's, I don't know. I just, yeah. It's a, for it's me, a, for, that's a really tough game, but it's fun and it's worth, it's worth checking out. Yeah, for me, it, it seemed like Zero Mission was like a really good starting point because it's not terribly hard but i mean it's still like challenging in the same sense though but um yeah i don't know in terms of like control 2 i I had a it felt like a lot faster compared to something like super metroid and yeah so mm -hmm. fusion was actually i think a a little faster than super metroid maybe but it still felt kind of slow by the modern standard at the time and Mm -hmm. uh and then when zero mission came out it it just smokes fusion i mean it's it's probably twice as fast and uh, and to me that at just it makes it feel so buttery when you play it. I just want to keep playing it because it feels so responsive and so good. And that's not something that the Metroid games had ever really had before. And for me, Zero Mission is it, it works so well as an action game. Fusion tried to be more of an action game, but I think Zero Mission really pulls it off because it feels so natural and tight when you play it. And uh, and then it still has all that exploration stuff. It's the perfect combination. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to agree. Because, um, yeah, I think shortly after I had complete, well, I won't say complete, beat <laughs> Zero Mission, I had we'll uh, booted up, <laughs> I had booted up Super Super Metroid and just, I was just like, my God, this is, you're, you're so slow, <laughs> you know, comparatively. But, yeah, I, I guess that would just be a matter of me just playing more of that and then just getting used to that, you know, getting in that mode of, th- mode of thinking and stuff. So, um, I guess next, like in terms of just playing through the game, do you have any like favorite parts that really stuck out to you? Things that you just really enjoyed at, even, you know, all these years later or just even through your recent playthrough? Um, nothing really specific comes to mind. I mean, I, I love the whole game so much. There's really very few parts of it that I don't, you know, really, really enjoy going back through. I've played through this game many times, but I, I think my, in general, my favorite parts would be the ones where they send you back to an area that is definitely very memorable from the original game. And especially Mm -hmm. when there's like something very specific that you're supposed to do, like, Hey, there's this one place where there's going to be an energy tank. And if you've played the original, you know that, but in zero mission, when you go back there, they fool you, they'll play like a kind of a prank on you and they'll make you fall through a floor or something. And then make you kind Mm -hmm. of go around through a whole new area that they built just for this game to get back up to the place where you were trying to get that power up. 
that was uh, in the, that is in its original location. Like that kind of like very knowing communication with the fans of the series, I, I, I think is really fun. And it, it basically, it only leads to the game becoming a little more complex, having a little bit more content. And that's, you know, that's what I'm looking for in a remake is I want to know where did you make this game better and where did you add new things that will surprise me? And, and Zero Mission is full of those kinds of surprises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, you know, in my playthrough of the game, I was, I was kind of like taking it slow because I was kind of, you know, especially after sometimes just like you said, just all of a sudden you just start falling through the floor and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> but so sometimes I'd play it a little bit slow, but you know, I'd still do that type of stuff and it was really cool in like terms of like exploring the, the world and stuff like that. I mean, the secrets and stuff like that, sometimes just like, oh, it looks like something's going to be so simple to get to or something like that. And then you know, all of a sudden, bam, you're falling through the floor, you know, doing something like that, or you have to go around a completely different way, even though you can see on the map, it's like, okay, there's clearly something in this room, but I, I can't come here now, or whatnot, and it's just a, yeah, I like that upgrade type of stuff, I, you know, it's, I haven't really played a lot of, you know, games that are similar like this, so it's just kind of really fresh and enjoyable for me to do that. Yeah, it's a game with an unusual flow. Um, the, mm -hmm. the pacing of it, and I think the pacing's better in this than it is in the other games in the series. But the pacing is can be hard to get used to for people because you're often lost. I mean, I think you probably spend most of the game lost. And even when you you pick a point on the map and you say, mm -hmm. "Okay, I want to get there," you're checking it. You're getting directions for yourself. Okay, I need to go up here and then over there and then go through the secret tunnel. You know, and you're trying to like route yourself through the map. And that's even if you've already been to these places. Um, and mm -hmm. so it's a game that you do kind of make your way through it slowly, even though the character moves quickly and you always feel sure. like you have the reaction speed that you need to, to handle the enemies. But like, you know, the game has a big world and getting around that world takes a while, but also because you can get lost very easily. You can take a wrong turn or you fall down a pit. Now you have to figure out your way out of it. And that happens all the time. And you just kind of have to, that's part of the exploration of the game. Like, you know, you kind of have to be signed up for that, I guess. But um, that's my favorite stuff in Metroid, so I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember at one point in the game, I, I was convinced that at that particular moment, I needed to have super missiles. Because I saw a couple doors, I'm like, okay, those are mm -hmm. super missiles, I need to go find these things. And I kept like going all over the place, and I think I even looked maybe at a fact, and was like, okay, you can get this one in Brinstar, you have to do the crazy, uh, what do you call this, spine arcing or something it's like oh when, yeah when you, where you, when, you use the speed boost to store up energy and then you yeah you, you kind of use it as a rocket blast and samus you know flies across several screens <laughs> blasting through everything inside yeah yeah this game yeah, so uses was, that was, stuff extensively for secrets and it's it's really hard to master but it's fun to do when you, it's very satisfying when you get that right Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was actually doing it and doing it right, you know, getting halfway to where I needed to go for this particular item that I thought I it was so I needed so badly, it's so <laughs> integral just to go on. And I just I, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do this. So then I just went back down to where I was and it's just something just totally simple that I just overlooked. And I was like, oh, my God, just go through this door, idiot. <laughs> just keep on going. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's always kind of fun. And I mean, yeah, sometimes it's not necessarily frustrating to the point where I wanted to quit, but it's just like, oh, man, like, I know I'm missing something. I know that mm -hmm. I'm doing something wrong. It shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> so that was always kind of fun, just kind of battling myself <laughs> with this type of stuff. Yeah. So.
you have to trust the creator sometimes to not give you something that's so difficult to do. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they have to, they have to order these things in such a way that you always have what you need to get the next thing. Sure. And so there's a certain amount of trusting that has to go on. And, and also when you get into an area where, Hey, the room's full of lava and I'm taking damage, there appear to be items in this room, but I'm probably not supposed to get these yet, you know, because right. I'm, right. I'm dying within 30 seconds of entering the room. You know, you kind of have to trust the creators of the game to be like, yeah, we, we want to tease you with that. We don't want to kill you right away. So you can still leave, but you have to be smart enough to leave and not just keep banging your head against the wall, trying to get this thing. Cause you'll sure. come back later in the game and it'll be easy. You just have, you right, don't have right. what you need yet. And, and I really like that. I've talked about it, I think on RFN a few times, but I really like that, that line of communication between the designer and the player, because mm -hmm. these are games made for smart people. I think, I mean, they're, they're made for people who are patient and are willing to test different things until something works. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very methodical kind of game to make your way through. And I think the designers of these games are brilliant people and they really put a lot of thought into this stuff and they want their players to be very engaged with them. And they're having this kind of weird battle of wits as you play through the game where you, know, you can take certain things for granted or they teach you to make certain assumptions and then they break those assumptions and, and, and trick you. And that can only happen in a, in a game like Metroid where uh, it is this complex to, you know, the way the world is built out and the things that you do. It's a very complicated game, but I love it. I, I think it's one of the most hardcore kinds of games that Nintendo makes, and they don't make it anymore. So that's really sad. <laughs> that's very sad for me. Uh, but, yeah. but, you know, I, I cherish the ones that we have, and, and Zero Mission is my favorite of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess next, maybe we can get in a little bit into spoiler territory. I mean, yeah, this game is 10 years old, but... You know, I'm pretty sure there is a, a you know a, a decent generation of you know kids or just maybe even young adults that just didn't have a chance to play this game. And you know, like I said, I mean, even when the game first came out, I you know I had Game Boy Advance and I was buying games. I had like a part time job. I was in college, and you know I had a way to get these, but for whatever reason, this is just something I never got. But and somehow I kind of avoided spoilers for you know a decade. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so I guess maybe we'll get a little bit spoiler here, so you might want to skip ahead a little bit if that's you, you don't want to hear about this stuff. But, you know, for me, one of my favorite parts of the game came at a later point. It's, I, I had just gotten, like, a really awesome, you know, new suit, and I, I was like, oh my god, I'm, like, invincible. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything just gets kind of taken away, and you're just Samus with a gun, and you know, no armor or anything. And it, it, it really completely changed the way that, you know, I had to play the game. It changed the way I thought about, you know, interacting with enemies, just getting around levels and stuff. And it was kind of like creepy. <laughs> it was kind of like scared, like yeah. seeing these space pirates, you know, barreling after me, crawling after me in like these little, you know, you know and I was like, oh my God, please stay away. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my friends that were over watching me play were probably amused <laughs> fairly much so with that but yeah I, I thought that was a really interesting part of the game and it's something i totally didn't expect to, oh, you know cool. to come at all you're lucky that yeah. that was a surprise for you um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is an evolution of something that uh, the the same team had started with fusion uh there were these stealth mm -hmm. areas where the sax virus that was like a clone of samus 
would uh, would would kind of march in on a on a screen and look look for you. You know, would scan all over the place, and if she saw you, she would kill you really quickly. So you had to hide, mm -hmm. you had to run away from her sometimes, and it gave the game this weird kind of sci-fi horror element that it had always been sort of hinting at, I think, but they'd never totally delivered on with the Metroid mm -hmm. series. And uh, in Zero Mission, they you know they didn't sprinkle it through the whole game. They it's all concentrated in one chunk towards the end, mm -hmm. but uh, it's. A lot of the same ideas, and they do give you a weapon, but it can only stun enemies. Right. So you have to right. be pretty careful with it, and uh, you can't expect to just shoot your way out of a situation. So it's a it's a tough game. It's a tough part of the game, and it teaches you to play very differently. But ultimately, the reward at the end is that you get not only all of your stuff back, but you get a new suit that has even more abilities than than what you had before, and uh, and you feel. And, and that gulf in, in power level between when you're in the zero suit and you just have your little stun gun and then when you jump into the new suit is really – it feels amazing. I mean it's like you feel supercharged oh, yeah. and now you just want to blast through everything in the whole game and you just want to screw attack through every enemy and fly <laughs> all over the place and uh, and you feel like nothing can even touch you when in fact mm -hmm. the game does still have some challenging parts to it yet but they're optional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to Johnny right before we started recording, and you know, I'm one of the unfortunate type of people that you know I only just beat this game. I didn't 100% it. I didn't get all of these secret things that he's going to probably blow my mind with. It's, yeah, it's um, it's not it's not your fault, Danny. It's <laughs> and it's not too late. Okay. Well, I mean, like even crap. Like my my final play playtime on the actual Game Boy Advance, like save on the system, like that part was. I think it was like seven hours or something. But according to the Wii U uh, activity log, I think it said like twelve. But I think you know some some of that stuff was just like, hey, I you know I'm putting the game on pause and I'm gonna go make some dinner or you yeah, know yeah, or something like sure. that. But yeah, so it took me a long time, <laughs> but. And I can, I, I mean, I've played through this game a lot. I can beat the game in about three or four hours if I know what I'm doing, uh, if I'm fresh oh, on it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the speed run level, I think the fastest I ever got was about two. You want to get under two, I think you get a slightly different ending oh. if you get under two oh, hours. My God. And then I also mm -hmm. have a 100% a run that's, I think, about eight and a half. But that was, uh -huh. you know, not nearly the first time I'd ever played the game. I mean, I, I kind of okay. knew what was going on and I decided I just want to go in and get everything. Some of the final mm -hmm. energy tanks, super missiles, power bombs are so crazy, the stuff that you have to do to get them. I mean, they're really only there as uh, motivation for people to try to just find the most secret parts of the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're completely unnecessary to, to beat the final boss. It's not even remotely mm -hmm. needed. You, the only reason <laughs> you would go do this stuff is because you want to find literally every room and do everything mm -hmm. you can. Sure. But those are sure. fun, you know. Yeah. They're for like the the biggest fans, the people who want to sink the most time into it. But you don't need to do it, right? Yeah, you know, I saw some I saw some really crazy finish times on the Miiverse Four Zero Mission, and like people had I don't even know how in the hell this is even possible, but it unless I, I I'm pretty sure I didn't dream this up. I swear to God, I saw one on there that said 100 percent in like one hour and four minutes. That I, seems impossible to me. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I maybe I'm just dreaming that up, but yeah. it was something like ridiculous like that, and I couldn't believe that. 
I, I don't even see how that was even possible. Right. But the Meverse would be. <laughs> it makes sense that Meverse would be great for speed running. That's kind of exciting to uh, to think about that. But you know the uh, the part that you missed that I was kind of referring to before we started recording is uh, when you go back to Chozoidia. So that's where the stealth part of the game occurs, right? Mm-hmm. But um, once you escape from there and you do have the new suit, and at that point you can beat the game. You can go and fight the final boss. But there's mm-hmm. there's also a place, and I don't remember exactly where it's located, but there's a section, uh, there's a room in the game where you pass through a, a glass tunnel. And mm-hmm. that is a reference to Super Metroid, because in Super Metroid, it's very important that you find this glass tunnel uh, and use a power bomb there, and you break the glass permanently, and it gives you mm-hmm. access to Meridia, the water uh, region. And 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 in that game, you have to do that to beat the game. In Zero Mission, mm-hmm. it's optional, so mm-hmm. they don't say anything about it. They never suggest that you might want to go over there. Uh, there's very little mm-hmm. visual indication, I think, that there might be something hidden around there, but. It, it's only for people who've played Super Metroid and remember that kind of thing. When you go through there, if you use a power bomb in the right place, you can break the glass, and then it opens up a whole bunch of new map content, uh, a lot of places mm. to explore. I think there's some extra. I think there's at least one extra upgrade there that you'll never get if you don't find it. And then there's a whole bunch of mm. energy tanks and missile tanks and stuff. Um, there's probably a boss. I'm sorry. I didn't get that far when I was replaying it for this. So I don't remember all the Mm -hmm. details of what's in that part of the game, but it's a, it's a fairly big chunk of the game that you could just walk right past. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I I did. (laughs) And, uh, and I think ultimately it makes the final boss battle kind of different or it, it, it somehow changes. I don't remember if there's an alternate boss, uh, or if the, the main boss just kind of changes to adapt to your, your increased abilities, but uh, it, it makes the game more fun, I think, to do that extra bit. And I think it might have even been kind of a tribute to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which of course had a whole second quest kind of uh, upside down castle thing that you mm-hmm. have to, you know, you, you have to do this weird series of things to uh, access it. But that was a, this very beloved feature of that game. And uh, of course, that game paid a lot of tribute to Metroid. And so I think. I always felt that in Zero Mission, that was sort of a reflection back on uh, on Castlevania that they added this like optional secret area that is it's so it almost kind of takes place after the end of the game because more than likely okay. you'll beat the game and then you'll hear about this or you'll think about it and you'll go back and say I wonder if I had you know and so you basically you just open the same save file but you go back and you actually complete it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I would recommend that you do, Danny. I think you'll be yeah you'll be very <laughs> happy that you did. Yeah, it seems cool. It seems like I'm missing out on some cool stuff. I'll have to check that out for sure. Man. So that's the kind of thing that Metroid fans just love, love, love. At least I do. Mm -hmm. I'm sure other people Mm do. It's just exciting when not only did you find a secret room, but you found like a whole secret cave system. You know, it's like a whole section Mm -hmm. of the game that uh, is completely optional. And it feels like it was put there just for crazy people like you who explore every little (laughs) nook and cranny. Uh, that mm-hmm. that is so rewarding, and uh, it's it's part of why I love this game. There's a lot of stuff. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge fan mm-hmm. of Zero Mission. So happy to talk about it with you. Cool, cool. Well, I guess closing thoughts on this. You know, obviously, like I said, it's out on Wii U in Japan. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> at the rate of you know Virtual Console games coming out in the West, realistically, do you think this is coming out anytime soon? Yeah, I don't think it'll be that much longer. Um, a game mm-hmm. like this, you know, 
they Nintendo knows that people in America like Metroid. We generally we, we like it more than Japan does. So, right. If they're choosing from a pool of of Wii U Virtual Console games, which ones are worth localizing again, or which ones are worth testing on the American systems and releasing? This has got to be pretty high on the list. Not that it's was the a huge seller. I think clearly it was not a huge seller back in the day, <laughs> but it's a game that people will be willing to talk about. And yeah, for a lot of reasons, I think it'll it'll come out fairly soon. Um, and I will happily buy it and play through it again on the Wii U. I think that sounds fun, especially <laughs> on the gamepad. It's like a giant Game Boy Advance. You know, it's like that's exactly how I that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it'd be fun to play it on that screen because it'll it'll be very similar to the old days of playing it on your GBA, except gigantic and way up in your face. You know, <laughs> but and um, you don't have to sit directly underneath a lamp. Exactly. To play, it is a lamp. In fact, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, and I guess you know if gamers out there are you know, they don't want to wait for the Wii release. Do you think it's worth tracking down a GBA card and actually shelling out some cash for this? Um, like a decent amount of cash? I have no idea how much these things are going for. Yeah, right now, I didn't but. do any research on that. I really don't know. I would guess that this game is not super cheap, you know. I bet, it, I bet it's at least in the 20 to $30 range and maybe more. Um, but I haven't looked at prices on it in forever. So uh, I would say... You know, it'll probably not be that much longer for the Wii U version. If you've waited this long, you might as well wait a few more months and play that because it'll be mm-hmm. super easy to get. It'll have lots of nice features and it'll be cheaper than uh, the, I would say more than likely it'll be cheaper than the retail. Because what are GBA games like? Six or seven bucks, I think, eight bucks. They're pretty cheap on Virtual Console. All right. Well, I guess that pretty much wraps us up on, you know, discussion here for Metroid Zero Mission. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I, I really enjoyed, you know, getting to play through this game and, you know, talking to Johnny about this because, hey, he knows all about this stuff. So, Johnny, thanks for coming on, man. It was my pleasure. I want you to know all about it too, Danny, so keep playing. Okay, cool, You're going to love it. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of the episode and enjoy the rest of your day, evening, wherever you're at. So, we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and today I am with Don Koopman. Hello. And as is usually the case, if it's just me and Don on a segment, that usually means uh, we're talking about a game that comes out like in a month that uh, Don is already getting to play because he's a lucky bastard. I And, um, and, and a Wii is, is becoming way too fast. That's their problem too. 
Um, <laughs> the the thing is with this game, it's coming out actually in two months. Right. Yeah. So they've actually given you plenty of time to play this game. Um, and the game we're talking about is Bayonetta Two. Right. Uh, and Don is actually a great choice for this because not only now is he working on the review for the game, but he's previewed Bayonetta Two both what at E3 and Gamescom just a couple weeks ago. Um, so you're like, you're, you're pretty well versed in Bayonetta 2 at this point, I feel like. Yeah, well, the last preview that I put up is actually from the actual build of the game, and I actually included mm-hmm. video of that. Um, nice. so people can watch like free, like direct feed clips of the game. Um, awesome. and when this, when this actually goes up, there should be a secondary preview that's a bit more, I would say, spoilerific. Um, and that will include one more additional video clip. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, so you can look forward to that. Yeah, when, when, yeah, well, yeah, so around the time this goes up, that, that preview will be yeah. up, so people can look forward to that. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Bayonetta 2 and also, um, the original Bayonetta, uh, since they are included together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Don can talk, like, what, about the first five chapters of the game, so. Yeah, and, and the um, prologue. So actually, and the so prologue. actually, if you would say that it's roughly six, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll go through it and, um, I guess see if this is going to be the, the killer app that kind of holds you over, uh, you know, before Smash Brothers comes out free Wii U, whenever that does. Um, cause this is, this is really like the second big punch. Like, we get Hyrule Warriors pretty soon, and then I feel like Bayonetta 2 is, is the next big Wii U game until Smash Brothers and then eventually Captain Toad, so. Yeah, look, look, um, to for, look forward to my review of that in Nintendo Force. <laughs> Oh, there you yeah, go. <laughs> I actually did a segment on that on that game a couple of week, a couple of weeks ago with Andrew. Um, if people want to check that out too, but uh, yeah, going from that game to that game, both are action games. I loved, I, I liked Hyrule Warriors a lot, but Bayonetta Two is just plain to the balls nuts. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So it kind of starts with the prologue and. I don't know about you, but I felt when Nintendo took over, like, the publishing rights of Bayonetta 2, that they would kind of keep it in spirit with their character, but it's like, they totally didn't. It's like, straight up Bayonetta 2. It's like, if you wanted to follow up to that game, you're getting exactly what you asked for. And, for better or worse, that's kind of amazing, because when you watch, like, the first prologue scene, um, it's obvious that, that Platinum doesn't hold back. Like the the Italian American, like Enzo, uh, the stereotype just throws the f bomb like plenty of times during those first five minutes, <laughs> and like suggestive themes are thrown around you, and like some pretty like damning things are said. So that that dynamic is pretty made pretty clear right from the top. Like it is not going to hide that this is not Bayonetta two, and it, the dynamic changes what's somewhat over time to the point where it becomes a bit more I would say it becomes a bit more serious uh, mm-hmm. because this is kind of a tale that involves how do I say it without spoiling like too much um, <laughs> so like the balance of the three worlds in this one so Paradiso which is heaven, Inferno which is hell and then like kind of earth um, is kind of following part, um, at, and it's becoming kind of clear at the start of this game because Jean, who's the other witch, like the friend of Bayonetta, 
um, gets actually dragged to hell uh, by one of the beasts that Bayonetta summons. Um, and it's kind of unsure at the start of the game why that exactly happened. You're not really sure um, why the beast is not listening to you anymore. And hmm. over the course of the game, like pretty early on, it's becoming clear that you need to go way up to the very depths of hell to save your friend. And that brings you to a town called Noaten, or Noaten. Um, and there, apparently, the gates between the three worlds kind of come together. And this is where kind of like Bionis journey begins, because you get to the city and have to get to this very specific mountain that's way in the back. So you work your way up there and there are kind of like a lot of obstacles along the way. And of course, like a lot of enemies to fight. Okay. Okay. Um, did you, and you played the first Bayonetta, it sounds like? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I played the, okay. So my, my memories of the first Bayonetta are a bit vague because it happened like when the game came out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of those games that I think I bought an Xbox 360 for. Um, so that's like a good number of years ago now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I played the original Bayonetta and going to this one, I kind of felt we we're straight back at home. Um, so I had no like troubles getting back into the game and trying and knowing what exactly the ropes are. Okay, so it is. It's very similar to the to the first one then. Yeah, you basically start out with your basic guns. Um, so the the guns in your hands and on your feet. So you kind of start like the same way like you would in the original Bayonetta. Uh, there are other weapons though, like you can get swords. And again, those swords go both on your arms and on your feet. Um, <laughs> and there is a bow and arrow that you also get like really early on and that you can combine with something else on your feet because how would you put a bow and arrow in your feet? That wouldn't make any sense. Right. For little how this game, for little sense how this game ever makes, it's like, at least they have some sense. <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, talk about, I guess a little bit more um, about the, the combat. Uh, maybe especially for people who didn't play the first one, um, you know, if we're, we're thinking specifically about Nintendo system owners here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who might have missed it on PS3 and on Xbox 360, um, you know, how does it play, and, and how do you, uh, you wield all these guns uh, equipped all over your body? So, um, attacks are basically done by two buttons. Uh, one for the feet, one for the arms. And you kind of combine those two to do very specific combos. And... If you keep stringing those combos together, you will get a better score. Uh, you will inflict more damage on your enemies. You kind of like in that fashion. You kind of work your way through the game. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's more to it though. Like there's a very like good dodging system to it, and you can press that press ZR to kind of dodge enemies' attacks at the last very second. Um, and that this will activate witch time. And what witch time allows you to do is that it will slow time down for a couple of seconds and it will allow you to get better hits in without any disruption. Uh, which you, makes you kind of feel powerful. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. Yeah, and of course there are... When you keep attacking, you'll also 
kind of earn like the ability to do like a very special attack and this will kind of combine your attacks of the of the arms and the feet with with very demon type moves and becomes like very fast and rapid and you bring the enemies down like pretty fast that way um so all this combined together makes up kind of the main deal of the combat mm-hmm. um next to that you have, of course like uh torture attacks that pop up randomly which you basically put like your enemies in a guillotine and you will never see them again um and at some like boss fights you have of course that you summon the demons and this will swallow up the enemies complete and whole hmm. so that's kind of like what the combat is all about nice um so yeah as we found out i guess probably a couple months ago now um one of the bigger things about bayonetta 2 or maybe one of the more surprising things is that it comes with uh essentially a, a full copy of the original bayonetta yeah um i don't know it so I'm assuming, of course, that either game is available right from the start. So if you've played Bayonetta, you can jump straight to two, or you can just start from one right away if if that's what you want to do. Well, but well, both. Um, so with download copies, you can just select them randomly. And I heard, at least from the people at Nintendo with the disc versions, that they will both be on a separate disc. Okay, I was going to ask you if you knew. Okay, so it will come with two discs, basically. Yeah. Okay. Like, and Bayonetta 2 is already, like, a hefty thing. I, I can't really comment on it, but it's already, a, like, a big, hefty game. So mm. it's it's better to have those, I feel better to have them separately on two discs. Right, rather than trying to cram them in on one, sure. Yeah. Um, I know you can't talk too much, probably, about, about the story or anything, but having played Bayonetta and now making your way through Bayonetta 2, uh, would you suggest that people start with one if they haven't played the original yet? I mean, is the story um, that important, or is it kind of, you know, it's there, but it, it doesn't really matter? The sto- your, the story, I know you've probably beaten it, but... The story is definitely important in some regards. I, okay. f- I think if you want to get and fully understand it, I think you need to play the first one... The first one first sure um but if you not necessarily care about that stuff which i'm assuming like a quarter of the people will Mm -hmm. because if you play a lengthy game why would you play it for the story that's my opinion but if you don't really play it for the story then of course i think it doesn't really matter Um, you just jump in yeah you can just jump in but i think the majority of people will have the benefit of having played bayonetta one first now since you have played Bayonetta 1, have you started playing it on Wii U as well yet? Um, I've been, I can mostly talk about uh, what I've seen at Gamescom at E3. Okay, but, sure, which, at the preview um, events. Which, um, I, I mean, it looks good. It's, it's looked pretty much like Bayonetta 1. I mean, the only big difference there is, of course, the Nintendo costumes, which, um, which are cool. They have special attacks. Um, oh, they do have special attacks depending what costume you're wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, cool. You, so, you what can, did we have? We had we about Peach and Samus. Am I missing any? I, or were if, those if, the only two? If I remember correct, correctly from Gamescom, it were Daisy, Peach, oh, wow. uh, Samus, and Link. Oh, the Link one. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the Link one. Yeah, and with the Samus one, you can in cutscenes you can put your visor up and down whenever you like. <laughs> it's it's so really dumb. 
That's awesome, though. But so you do have you have special attacks depending like what your uh, what costume you're wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you can like, use, use your arm cannon, of course, with the with the Samus costume. What does uh, the Link one do? Just wield the Master Sword or throw bombs? Yeah, or something? yeah, the Master Sword. Okay, awesome. So that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Maybe you didn't get to see it at at either of those events, but um. With those costumes, can you just sort of equip them at any time? Do you pick up before you go into a level, anything like that? I mean, maybe you maybe you I, didn't see that in the preview stuff. But. I, I I don't know exactly, but when I played them, like from the start of the game, because I stood there at the booth for an hour, <laughs> just oh, wow. just playing the, the beginning of the game. Um, you could select the costumes just at the very at the very start of it. So it might suggest that they're available from the start. I'm personally not very sure. If you unlock them or if you get them right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just not very sure. I'm I've been, been mostly just focusing on Bayonetta too. <laughs> right, and I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, try to get the the new game finished first before you go back to play the old one. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. So for uh, our, our Nintendo fans here who only have owned Nintendo consoles and are might be interested in Bayonetta for the first time, um, I mean, why why should people uh, pick this game up? I mean, what what, what kind of sets it apart to you? Um, it makes it worthwhile because I like I said, I think a lot of people are going to be into Hyrule Warriors right away, and then they're going to be waiting for Smash Brothers. So, um, in your mind, what what? I guess what kind of gamer should would this appeal to? Can it appeal to anyone? I mean, uh, is there is it, a, is it kind of a niche audience? I, I think they're kind of three set groups. Like the first set group is people who play the Wonderful One Hundred One. Okay. Uh, if you like the Wonderful One Hundred One, you will like the two Bayonettas. That's that's my thing because like the action style of it is very similar. Like the gameplay styles are radically different from one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the way the action is, like they're they're very similar. Um, then you have like the people who played the first Bayonetta and want to just get back into to the second game. It's it's directly for you there. Then there is the group of new people, and to the new people, it's like, do you like action games? That that's the first question you have to ask yourself. Are you decently enough to like perform well in an action game? Um. If not, there are still the easy easy options, um, which allows you to really just experience the story for the most part and do some pretty easy combos to get you all the way through. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want to get the most out of it, like experience everything the game has to offer, then it's better to get, that you have kind of an idea how the game feels. And for those kind of people, it's important that you can play action games very well. And there's a subset of people that definitely can't. Like, there are people who definitely are better with, for example, platformers. Right. Um, and if you are decently enough at performing, like being very twitchy with your actions, like very quickly dodging enemy attacks, doing some, knowing the combos and having the kind of the respect to learning them um you will get yourself like pretty far in that game uh but don't get me wrong it's it's even regardless of the difficulty you choose it still becomes like very tricky like towards like the later parts of the game it will really challenge you yeah and that's why that was my follow-up question is if it did have selectable difficulties so you could kind of scale it uh based i guess on your experience level but it sounds like even if you pick the easiest mode it still gets difficult later on yeah i, f- I still think that the people who t- uh, pick the easiest mode necessarily don't have still have the easiest time with that game because you still mm-hmm. need to perform the moves you sh- well 
which time is kind of done for you in some regards. Like, mm-hmm. it will automatically move your character out of the way, which is a nice thing. Uh, but it, it still kind of like depends on yourself. And of course, with platinum, like platinum games like this, you will get to earn medals for performing certain actions in specific verses of a chapter. Uh, oh, okay. And doing those specific combos is still important to get like a pure platinum or platinum medal, because if you still like la- lack any skill. Even on the easiest difficulty, you won't get yourself like very a very high rank. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cool. Um, I guess I mean that that pretty much does it for my questions. That did you have anything else you wanted to add about the game? I know I'm excited. I, I never played the original Bayonetta, so I, I'm going to get this for sure. I mean, to me, I'm thinking, okay, well, I've got it's basically two games in one for me, so uh, I'm totally on board in that way. But did you have anything else you wanted to add about it? Um. Well, the so there is an option to play with touchscreen controls on the Wii U gamepad. Oh yeah, talk about that. That's weird. So basically, if you don't feel like pressing buttons, which I don't know how many people that are, like that must be a whole <laughs> new subset of group of people. <laughs> you can use the touchscreen to walk about and do attacks. Or and even dodge, like you can play the entirety game just with a stylus. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it's not necessarily terrible, but it makes the game insanely easy. Like oh really? Yeah. Just sliding away to dodge, like like holding your stylus to move, and like tapping on the enemies to do specific attacks. It is a very easy kind of monotonous. Um, mm. I wouldn't recommend playing that game in an eternity because it is the le- least fun way to play that game. But I can imagine like people who are necessarily can't do anything, they will they will use that. But if if you really want to play the game, you should actually play the game because el- <laughs> because el- because else what is really the point of it all? It's weird. I don't. That almost sounds like a control scheme, like if it was ported to like iPad or something. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess so. But at the same time, it's it makes sense that you. It makes sense that um, like to include like anybody else because like Nintendo is is riding high on this title, so mm-hmm. so they're trying to trying to make this game accessible for everyone. But like the touchscreen mode is just a bit. I don't know. I just find it a bit dumb. Yeah, um, it sounds kind of dumb. <laughs> it is dumb, um, but but regardless of you, if you play on on the gamepad or on just on the television, it's a beautiful looking game. I think it's one of the best titles looking on the Wii U. I would, oh really? Yeah, I would just give like if I'm being really frank with you, I would just give a small edge to Hyrule Warriors because that game is is insanely polished to the brim, but that doesn't make like. Uh, Bayonetta 2, like, a very dumb title in every regard, because it has way more, like, bigger details and bigger environments. So they put, like, clearly a lot more effort into that game. But it's like, both of those games have a good style, anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, and <laughs> you also have to realize that even if you complete the levels, you're not necessarily done. I can't talk not, not much about this, but there are, like, many unlockable things that you can find in the levels that will kind of keep you coming back. 
one of these elements are the Umbran crows, which are like just black crows everywhere, like swarming around the levels. And um, these will grant you Miver stamps. Oh, okay, cool. So they've got stamps in this game as well. Yeah, they, they kind of announced it that every Miver game from this point, from that point onward, will have Mar- the stamps. From yeah, from Super Mario Three D World, will have the stamps. Um, and this way, you have to kind of earn them because you have to be kind of like sneaky to sneak up the unburned crows, then press a certain button, and then collect them. Um, mm. And there are like, I think roughly. If the game is telling me this correctly, there are roughly 20 stamps to find 20 Umbran Crows across like all the entirety of the game. Um, so that's kind of a neat thing to kind of to search for. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it encourages you to really explore the levels. So that's cool. Yeah. Are, how are the stamps? Are, like, are, the, are the stamps... Did you enjoy getting the stamps? I mean, will you be posting to Meverse with the stamps once the... Uh, Miiverse channel opens. I think I think I will. The the stamps are are pretty neat. Yeah, they're they're pretty much like uh, Bionetta's face or elements from the game. They're, it's pretty cool. Um, That's cool. But I think the stamps are pretty cool. Like a pretty cool concept in general, and they give you additional thing to do in like any of these games they're in. So. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I think Neil and I talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago. But I think the stamps are really cool. I kind of wish you could use stamps between different games sometimes. Like I wish if I got a bayonetta stamp, I could just use it in any post I post on Meverse, regardless of the the lobby. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I understand too why they control that. But I think it'd be cool if you could just use it wherever. I think I'd be more inclined to use them like to get them then. But that's just me. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Um... <laughs> But if you want to read more of these games, you can find already an, like two articles by the time you hear this on NWR. There's there's one uh, article currently in edit as we speak, um, so that might be up sometime this week. Um, mm-hmm. But the first article will give you like a broader overview, like all the control options, um, what the game is all about, and give you a better idea if the game is maybe something that you want to check out. And the second article is a bit more spoiler filled and goes a bit more into the story. I kind of a bit I've been kind of reluctant here to kind of talk about it too much because I don't want the people to listen to this to already know the entirety of like the first opening moments of the entire story. And like yeah. Nintendo has been showing like a couple of these chapters already, but that's why I kind of want to keep like the rest of the chapters kind of into the dark. Um but if you necessarily want to keep more and just say I don't give a F about spoilers, just give me more content uh, you can check that out and just see more awesome, well there you go, yeah and I'm sure as you know we lead up to the release you'll be posting more previews and videos and stuff like that so um, yeah, just keep an eye on uh, Nintendo World Report and then of course uh, I mean if you don't already you, you should, but you should be following Don on, on Twitter and YouTube definitely um Yep. I think on well, um, both your Nintendo, is that correct? It's it's Nintendo one, like on one at the end. Um because well, I had an original channel that's gonna oh, gone now, so I have a Nintendo one account. Okay, uh, on YouTube. Yeah, that's N I N T E N D A A A N one. And of course you can find that that handle without the without the one on Twitter, which is again that is N I N T E N D double A N. There you go. Yeah, if you're not already following Don on Twitter, you're crazy. 
Because he posts stuff about like every game imaginable all the time. Oh, so, yeah, no, no, no. You do good on Twitter. I mean, and you know you do. I mean, you're I, you've got like thousands of followers. Like you, you do well. Like you, you should be following Don. If anybody, you should be following Don. So, no, I don't. Go. I don't agree. That's thanks. <laughs> you do a lot of work. I mean, between that and, and and posting all kinds of stuff on YouTube, like yeah, you you should follow Don. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, no, thank you. I, I would almost be positive anyone who listens to this podcast already follows you, but just in case, we'll, we'll make sure. So, there you go. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I, no I, I, now, now, now I feel kind of humbled. <laughs> oh, man. That's all right. Yeah, I, I mean every word of it. So, oh, all right. Well, that, that will wrap it up for, uh, for Bayonetta 2. Um, so yeah, again, uh, keep it locked on Nintendo World Report for some future previews from Don, mm-hmm. and I'll look for the review, uh, you know, sometime in the next two months before the game comes out, and um, that will do it. So Don, thank you for being here. Thank you, and f- thank you for being you. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> and we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget you can send listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. We would love some in honor of our upcoming 150th episode. And if you've got a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, Now stay tuned for a bonus segment with Scott and Zach on PC Gaming. everyone and welcome to this bonus segment of connectivity i am scott thompson today i am with zach kaplan hiya 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 and uh we are back to talk about pc gaming um even after months of putting up with upgrading hardware and dealing with like weird software issues and things like that uh zach hasn't given up on pc gaming um i feel like that's like the threshold i I feel like either you deal with it for a couple months and you're just like fuck this like i this is stupid and then you just do PC gaming forever, or something just clicks in your head, and you're like, "No, like I like this." And then you just deal with the uh, the frustrations, and you know the the I think the positive uh, rewards that come with PC gaming. So you're on the you're like on the latter side. You've you've stuck with it, huh? Yes, I have. It's been all well, mostly worth the effort. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so I think last time we had talked, you had uh, gutted your family PC a, few, a little bit more and replaced. Uh, some older parts with with newer parts. I think what you upgraded the processor, the video card. I think what did you do more RAM as well? I never upgraded the RAM. Never upgraded the RAM. Okay. I, well, actually, with my new PC, what happened was I had bought RAM for it, assuming all RAMs the same. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and so my RAM I had uh, was like trying to put it into a computer from two thousand nine. Just didn't work. Yeah. And by that point. I the computer had overheated and I needed a new heatsink, and <laughs> and that also requires even though those aren't too too expensive, that's kind of a pain to get it off of the processor because of the thermal compound. And right, I was to say yeah, you got to get that off, scrape that all off, and then add more compound to it before you seat the fan. Yeah, and I feel like by the time I get all this done, I'll probably just fuck up my motherboard or something. <laughs> When, when when I'm like, oh, I have some new parts, let's try and run everything on highest settings. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I've done that before, though, with the RAM. So I'm guessing what you bought, like, probably DDR3 RAM, like, just kind of the, yeah. the newest. I, I was and like, I, this should fit. Yeah. And I'm assuming your computer probably took, yeah, DDR2. Yes. Or something along those lines. So, yeah. <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution 2. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I say it. Yeah, I don't know what the DDR stands for. Someone probably does. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. So you, you, did you order it online or did you go to, I mean, can you even, I guess you can probably find Ram at Best Buy or something still. Uh, well, I had bought it at Best Buy. I haven't actually returned it yet, but. Yeah, hopefully they'll take it. I know they're weird with like computer parts sometimes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you brought it, you bought it, brought it home, ripped open your computer and then tried to shove it in the slot and it it wasn't fitting, huh? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that is unfortunate. Well, what about, so, okay, so you mentioned it already, but after dealing with that frustration, you said, fuck it, I'm just going to buy a, a whole new computer. Um, now, when you did that, did you just kind of buy, like, just something modern, but that, like, was kind of cheap, just that you found, like, at a Best Buy, or did you specifically try to get something that was more geared towards gaming? Uh, well, I looked to make sure that it had what I needed so I could game on it, even if mm-hmm. I had to do some upgrades eventually. So I got a Asus something something that had eight gigabytes of RAM and a better processor than I already had. So yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like you know PC gaming gets this rep, and I mean we probably haven't really helped it with as much as we've talked about like upgrading PC components and whatnot. But uh, PC gaming kind of gets this rep that you have to spend like thousands of dollars on this this crazy rig to to be able to play games, and that's not really true. I mean you can spend that kind of money. And, you know, and then overclock your computer and then run every single game for, like, the next two or three years on, like, the highest settings possible. But it's really easy to just go and, and like, you probably did, just go to, like, a, a Best Buy or something like that. Buy just something that's that's modern, spend a few hundred dollars, um, get a decent video card, and then, like, and then be set. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, you can go with the, like, Alienware PCs that are already, that are, like, stupid proof. Like, you just... Yeah. Everything's in it for you. Yeah. But, no, I just got a normal PC and put my graphics card in, and I was good to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Have you checked... Do you have extra RAM slots? You could probably put that other RAM in it if you wanted to beef up the RAM. I I do. I asked a person I know who's a fan of PC gaming whether it would be worth it to keep it, and he said with 8 gigs I should be fine for now, but... I don't know. It seems like, because no game requires, like, 12 gigs of RAM, or at least no game I've played, so... Yeah, I I guess it depends what you're doing. Like, I mean, are you still doing a lot of streaming from your PC to your NVIDIA Shield and everything? That's how I always play it. Okay, yeah. I You know, I I guess it's up to you. How much was the RAM? It was, like, 40 bucks. Yeah, I guess if you could use the 40 bucks, I would just throw the RAM in the computer. My, uh, my PC that I built has 20 gigs of RAM, and Jesus. it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but I do I do all the podcast editing and stuff on it. And it's it's I've honestly probably shaved like an hour off of podcast editing time with just how much quicker things process and uh and like load now. Yeah, well, I kinda need the money because I spent a lot well, I spent all my money on the computer. On so. the computer, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That, you are a you are a struggling high school student, so yes, I understand. <laughs> I spent my summer job money, it kinda just all went away. Into PC gaming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well then, yeah, then that that's fine. I that would just take then. That and the stupidly expensive Disney Infinity Collector's Edition. Oh, yeah, how much was that? 180 <sighs> Yeah, 
the, uh, Disney Infinity 2.0, so I haven't even gone in right, it right. yet. Right. Oh, yeah, because it's not out yet. It comes well, with a could... stand for the figures. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Well, I guess you could get that $40 and, and start getting your Amiibo and, your, and get oh, ready for Smash shit. Brothers 3DS. I'm excited. I am so that. excited for Amiibo. Yeah. That is going to be... That is going to be the shit. <laughs> so yeah, you could just get your $40 and get like three Amiibo, pre-order them now and yeah, be set to go. Um, So yeah, so you got your, your new computer and, and you've noticed that it, everything is running a lot better now. Yeah, I'm using Windows 8.1, which mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of people like to bitch about it, but I find it pretty nice because it's very fast to turn on at least compared to what my computer was doing yeah and that might also be a combination of just newer hardware within yeah within within the new computer um and lack of like crazy amounts of just programs and stuff installed on in your registry and everything but um yeah i use windows 8.1 on my new computer and then here on my um laptop which i'm recording on right now and i like it you know i sometimes i wish like it was just old school windows like sometimes i do still have like a hard time navigating and like finding where things are now yeah um, i don't i don't know, know like, where start menu. Is. yeah like i i don't know how to find like any programs if i don't have uh an icon on the desktop i just i search for everything now yeah that's um, what i do and i <laughs> i don't want xbox video so yeah right yeah get rid of all that stuff um but yeah no windows 8.1 it's not bad i i, I it's fine it's whatever um, I mean, it's a lot more stable than I think other, like, Windows have been when they've launched. You haven't had to really deal with that, but, you know, there's, like, the whole issue, like, after Windows XP when, uh, what was after Windows XP? Vista. Vista. Oh, yeah, Vista was, like, a nightmare with, like, programs and games not being compatible, drivers not being compatible. Um, yeah, that was, that was a headache, so. Yeah. I want to see um, what would happen if you tried to run, like, Titanfall on Windows 98. Uh, I don't. I don't think, think it's possible, but yeah, <laughs> I just think if you could run it on that, that would be amazing. Yeah, normally games, I feel like don't really say it anymore because I feel like everything's compatible with Windows XP and forward. But um, it might have something on there saying that yeah, you have to have at least Windows XP probably. Yeah. Um. So it probably wouldn't work, but I don't know. Maybe you could figure out a way to like kind of jerry rig it and make I, it work. I don't know. I, on my old computer a couple weeks back, I got a Windows 98 game to run on Windows 7. I don't know if that oh, really? was... Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> what Windows 98 game? Uh, Well, it's the greatest game of all time besides Steel Diver. It's called the Walt Disney World Explorer. Okay. It's... Is that one of those things where you just like walk around the amusement park? Yep. Okay. <laughs> awesome. it, it's an interactive map. Yeah. It's very cool. I had one of those uh, for The Simpsons, like a virtual oh, tour virtual of Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah, that one was pretty good back in the day. <laughs> um, but so apart from Windows 98 games, what have you uh, been playing now on your new PC that runs games so much better? Uh, I got Bioshock Infinite. I don't know if that really required a new PC, though. Uh, probably. It, it's, it's. I mean, you beef up the, the graphic it, settings. It, it looks fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, I started that, that's pretty cool. I've been playing more of Dishonored, finally decided mm. to get back into it. Sure. Um, what else? I got The Swapper. It's an indie game. It was, oh, yeah, yeah. It was just released on PSN, but I got it for less than $4 in the Humble Jumbo Bundle thing. <laughs> that's sure. what it was called, no. Humble Jumbo, 
Humble Jumbo Bundle. <laughs> and so that's been pretty good? Yeah. How, uh, how far are you in Bioshock? I'm like hour and a half, two hours in. I haven't even met Elizabeth or Ellie or Kermit the Frog or whoever I'm escorting. I don't know. But you have gotten to the point where, like, you have a gun now and you're you're Yeah, I have people. a gun. Okay. And you're enjoying it so far? Yes. Did you Have you played the first two Bioshocks? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know that it's very... I don't think you have to in this case. There's, like, some illusions, and I know the DLC... I mean, you, you basically go back to Bioshock 1, so that you would probably want to play the first game. But I don't think you have to have had played the first one to enjoy Infinite. Yeah, I've heard Bioshock 2 isn't worth going back to. Uh, yeah, except for, like, the DLC, I think Minerva's Den is what it's called. That's apparently supposed to be amazing, but the the core game itself isn't very good. So I guess if you could find, like, a, you know, eventually some Steam sale where you could get Bioshock 2 and all the DLC for super cheap, uh, it might be worth it. But Well, see, this is a point I wanted to bring up. As cheap as digital gets, if you go on Amazon, you can find physical games even cheaper at some points because people don't think to buy them anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the physical copies can drop down. You'd be surprised, even like going to somewhere like Target or like Best Buy, like you were at, you can sometimes find box copies of games uh, super cheap, just on store shelves that they're just kind of trying to get rid of. Yeah. Um. Well, I got Bioshock a physical copy for ten dollars. I mean, oh, that, that was with good. A, that was with a coupon though. It was actually twenty, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But I did go to my Target, and it's really sad. They replaced all the PC games with Sims 3 add-ons. Yeah. <laughs> and then wh- where it says actual PC gaming, well, it doesn't say actual PC gaming. <laughs> um, it's it's just a bunch of gift cards from Minecraft. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That is depressing. I'm, there, there's got to at least be, like, a copy of, like, World of Warcraft or, like, StarCraft or something. There's... Like, no, there was there's a gift card for World of Warcraft. Okay, I feel like like for whatever reason there's always like a like a battle chest with um like the original StarCraft and and its expansion or like um yeah World of Warcraft and its expansion. I'm I'm pretty upset. I don't know what they did with everything because there was some stuff that had been sitting there for a while, mm-hmm. and like they had some the complete Star Wars PC collection at one point. Oh and, yeah. I never got that because at that point I wasn't using my PC for gaming and you know, you snooze, you lose. Yeah. If you can find those, you should check that out. Like, um, I mean, the older games are great, like X-Wing and, and, uh, and TIE fighter. Um, but even the Jedi Academy games are really good. You'd probably like those. Yeah. I've started Jedi Knight or Jedi Academy, Jedi Knight two, Jedi something. Yeah. I know it was like eight Jedis in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've played some of that and I played re- some of Republic commando Okay. Which is, like, underappreciated FPS. Is that the one where you're, like, a stormtrooper? Yeah, you're a clone trooper. Clone trooper, yeah. And, like, it starts out in the Battle of Geonosis from Episode 2. Right, and you can, like, order your squad around and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that one was supposed to be pretty good. I think I played that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I actually use, because I'm so adamant about using my NVIDIA shield for everything, Uh because... God forbid I play with a mouse and keyboard. I um, <laughs> I downloaded, there's this website called Pinnacle Game Profiler, and it lets me uh, download profiles for games so I can run any of them with a controller. So uh, another game I've been playing, not really Star Wars related, well, kind of because of the developer, but Mass Effect 2. 
Oh, okay. That does not have native controller support on the PC, even though it's on the PS3. Wow, really? That's weird. I didn't know that. So I downloaded the profile, and it it works pretty well. I mean, it's still a pain in the ass because you have to, like, sync everything up. Like, yeah, like, all, like, assign each of your buttons to what you want it to do. Yeah, yeah, the key bindings. That's, it's kind of annoying, but. That's always fun, yeah. That's always, like, a fun, like, also rite of passage for PC gaming is going to, every time you start, like, a new FPS, getting the buttons where you want them to be, so it's kind of uniform, because, like, some FPSs, like, E is generally, like, the universal, like, okay, E is going to open doors, but every now and then, there'll be a game where it's, like, you have the ability to kind of lean around corners, so they'll put that on E, because it's the easiest button to reach from the WASD, and then they'll make opening doors, like, shift, or some weird button, and it just, it, it makes things complicated, and yeah. you gotta switch it all around, so. Yeah. Um, it's also a pain... This is with an NVIDIA Shield because I don't have a mouse or keyboard near me. Uh, to contr- to click on things, I have to move the cursor using the touchscreen and then double tap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't always work well. So, you know. Uh, I've been playing the Disney Infinity PC version, which comes... <laughs> you bought the PC version? <laughs> no, it, it comes free with the Wii U or any other version. There's actually... Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Educate yourself, Scott. I know. Fuck. <laughs> um, That's no, cool. But it's actually kind of hard when you want to, like, build things. It goes out of controller mode, and it's like, oh, you need to use a mouse and keyboard. And I'm like, oh, you need to go fuck yourself. Because <laughs> that would basically require you to get up and, and go sit at your computer desk yeah, at that it, point. Yeah, it huh? requires me to walk all ten feet. Yeah, which is unacceptable. Unacceptable, <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> Nice. Um, is that where you... Do you think you'll, like, primarily play, like, Disney Infinity 2.0 on PC? I'm thinking I'll play, like, the main game playset things on the PC, but I'll do the toy box mode on PS4 since... You do so much building and stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, not just that, but you can use the, um, power discs. Uh, because you have to buy them separately on the PC. You can't just use... Yeah. That's where they get you. Oh, that sucks. So I haven't really used toy box mode uh, on the PC besides playing through some shitty fan-made Phineas and Ferb levels. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll jump in here and say that one game I've been playing and I wrote a, a preview of it for um, IGN uh, is called Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, it just came out on Steam, like early access, uh, I guess about a month ago now. Um, and it's this awesome... No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, when you know it's on Steam Early Access, you know it's gonna be quality content, right? Yeah, not always, but in this case it is. Um, it's this really cool, um, I don't know, have you ever played a roguelike before? Do you know what a roguelike is? I've heard the term, I tried, uh, like, I don't know, it sounds too complicated. <laughs> well, the, the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games are technically roguelikes. Um, and in a roguelike, you generally are, like, exploring a big, sprawling, multi-level dungeon, and you can die, and when you die, you you lose some amount of progress. In some cases, that might mean, like, you have to start the whole thing over. Sometimes it might set you back just, like, a few floors or something like that. Um, but usually you are still making permanent progress. So even if it it sends you back all the way to the beginning and takes away all your equipment, usually, um, like, if you've unlocked certain things in levels, that will still persist. Um, Sounds like zombie you. Uh, kinda, yeah, kinda, except you you can't, 
You you could say that almost about any game, though. I guess. <laughs> oh, it sounds like Super Mario Brothers because yeah. you have to start over if you die. But the the one big crux here with Crypt of the Necro Dancer is um it's all rhythm based. Oh, um, Jesus. so it's got this like awesome dancey chiptune soundtrack, and to move um you have to like tap the the D pad um in conjunction with the beat of the song. So if you miss the beat, your character won't move at all. He'll she'll just stand in place. So you're tapping on your keyboard to the beat of the song, and the enemies also move to the beat of the music as well. So, you know, it starts off where the beat will be kind of slow, so you've got a little bit more time to plan where you're moving around in the dungeon and when you're going to attack enemies and stuff like that. But then as you get further on, the songs, like, really pick up, and all of a sudden you have, like, basically, a, you know, like half a second to um, to kind of analyze a room and decide how, you know, which way you're going to move and how you're going to approach the enemies. Um, and you can only attack enemies certain ways or they'll damage you, so... Like, zombies always move straight forward, so if you try to, like, go straight ahead and attack a zombie, it'll hurt you. So you have to, like, go around it and hit it from the side or hit it from behind. It's like um, chess. Kind of. sounds like chess. It's... Yeah, sort of. Um, but it's really, really awesome. Um, I think it's $15 on Steam right now. I think that's right. Um, but I would, I would, like, recommend anyone check it out. The music, I mean, the music alone makes it so worth it. Um, now, if they can just add like guitar support, Guitar Hero. Guitar. Well, it actually it actually has DDR dance pad support. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, so you can uh, you can like dance actually on a dance, dance pad, yeah, yeah, and like exercise while you uh, explore dungeons. And then they even they even have the option to um, you can import your own MP3s, and it'll it'll like match the beat of your MP3s, so you can listen to your own music while you're playing, or listen to and- NWR connectivity. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> Probably badly, but go ahead and try it. You could at least try the connectivity theme. That might be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. So I would recommend anyone check that out if it at all sounds interesting. I think it's really awesome. Uh, so the a game I was looking into playing, but then I decided not to, was there's a Family Guy game that came out like a year or two ago called Back to the Multiverse. Yeah, yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah, and so I I was like, I like Family Guy, so I'm going to play it. And then I looked on Steam, and it was $50, and I'm like, I don't like Whoa. Family Guy that much. It's really that much? Yeah, it's it was an Activision game, so. Wow. I, I guess I thought this I thought this was like an Xbox Live game. I didn't know it was like oh, a full... It was a retail game. I think it only oh, takes wow. like four or five hours to beat, but... Hmm. So, long story short, I did not get it. Yeah, I don't blame there's, you. <laughs> there's better games I can play. I was looking to see if there was any modern Simpsons games that were on PC. Couldn't find anything. So. Oh, yeah. The, I guess the Simpsons game was never released on PC. Which one? The one that's just called the Simpsons game. Oh, okay. From EA. I don't remember. Is that the one that was based off the movie? No, but I think it came out around the time. Of around the movie. the movie? Okay. I kind of remember that. Uh, what's his... I was going to say, what's his face? Will Wright has, <laughs> makes an appearance in it. The Sims guy. Right? That's him, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to be playing The Sims 4, so we don't need to talk about that. Oh, yeah. My, I just bought that yesterday for my wife and downloaded it. She, like, loves The Sims. She's already made our, our whole family... Um, yeah, so basically, like, I have now lost all ability to play, uh, PC games for a while, because she'll be playing that on my computer. She, she has a MacBook that can technically run it, but obviously it's, it's a lot better on my computer, because she can bump everything up, and the loading times are so much better. Um, 
But it actually works out pretty well, because, like, with Destiny and NHL 15 coming out next week, I probably won't be playing games on my computer very much for the next at least few weeks. And then Smash Brothers for 3DS, so, yeah, I'm, I'll be done with my PC for a while, so she can have at it. <laughs> oh, uh, just on a side note, Smash Brothers 3DS, I just pre-ordered and paid it off, and I am so excited for that. And it's very important to me as a Nintendo fan because like the past six eight months I've just like been so out of Nintendo but I don't know something when they announced the new 3DS I'm sure you'll be talking about that or have talked about it on connectivity that yeah last week's show we always did a reaction yeah yeah that got me really excited so I'm all back on board the Nintendo train yeah for sure me too um and then yeah, like, I, I felt like I was maybe going to skip Smash Bros. for 3DS. Like, I wasn't that excited. And now that it's, like, almost here, I'm like, no, there's no way I'm not getting Smash Brothers. Like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to play with everyone, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I can't wait to use one next year, the C-Stick, so I can do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taunt. Yeah. Is that it? No, I don't know. I don't know what it'll do. Wasn't th- it Super Smash or something? Is that yeah, a thing? That probably makes sense. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, Alright, well, I think that will just about do it then. Um, so, Zach, as always, thanks for coming on and talking about PC gaming, my secret love. Wait, um, I'm your secret love? Yeah, well, you and PC gaming are both my secret love combined. Oh, jeez, I hope your wife isn't listening to this. Uh, no, she's downstairs. Just me and you. <laughs> Wow. Um, so yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, if anyone has any thoughts about PC gaming or you know has any questions specifically about PC gaming, uh, send them to connectivity and nintendoworldreport.com. I was gonna uh, say maybe. just Google it, but <laughs> yeah, just Google, just figure it out yourself, as like any good PC gamer knows how to do. Um, but no, if you've got like anything you want to write about PC games, just do it, and maybe we'll read them on next time we do one of these PC segments. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> that sounded really unenthusiastic yes it would be it would be cool <laughs> okay good um all right well that will do it we'll talk to you guys later bye waka waka <laughs>